Hey, this is Sherry Harmel. And before we get into the show, I want to invite you to join the VIP waitlist for my new book, Designing Your Fabulous Next Chapter. Just like the show, this workbook and journal will help you overcome the challenges on your journey to finding your joie de vivre. Go to www.extraordinarywomenmagazine.com to sign up now. So many midlife women want to start a business, a business of their own. And today we're going to talk about the lessons I learned and truly the mistakes I made when I started my own business in my next chapter. Welcome to the Extraordinary Women podcast and show. It is the place for women who want to create a fabulous next chapter. I'm Sherry Harmel, and I am so happy that you have joined us today. Well, starting a business in midlife may be your big next chapter extraordinary goal. Finally, you get to start that business that you've dreamed of for so long, journaled about, planned for. But there are some special considerations and even landmines that I had to accept, you know, that I was wrong about, truly, which I'll share with you today. The first is that we need to accept that what it is you're going to create, what you're thinking you're going to create, your first ideation of what it is you're going to have, is probably going to change many times as you explore that goal you have of starting your own business. You know, I'm going to use my magazine, the Extraordinary Women magazine, as an example. I already had over 20 years experience as a life and career coach, both in the executive world, C-suite world, as well as um, college students. I worked for a couple of universities here in Boston. During COVID, you know, I was bored, as many of us were. And a little bit silly stupid, I like to say. So I thought, why not start a magazine? How complicated could it be, right? Well, my first mistake was that I didn't interview any other magazine publishers other than the one person I knew who was kind of my cheerleader at that time um, in order to hear the negatives as well as the positives. I had an idea in my head. I had my solo cheerleader and I went with it. Well, the online magazine world, as you can imagine, is a tough business. The magazine world, the publishing world as a whole is a tough business. You know, you need to make money with ads. You need to appeal to a broad cross-section of people. Think of the Oprah magazine or Vogue as an example. Even they struggle, honestly. My target population, as an example, which was you know, women, midlife women who were creating next chapters was very small by comparison. Plus, I didn't have an add-on product like a coaching program or a membership on the backside. And I didn't have a huge following. Many of my clients that I had worked with in my coaching, um, long coaching experience were not necessarily in the target audience for this magazine. And when you think about it, Oprah didn't start her magazine at the same time she started her talk show. She started her magazine 
quite a while after the talk show was successful. So I didn't have a following. I totally blanked out about all of that. I hadn't done my homework. I hadn't recognized, you know, made comparisons of myself and other people who were successful in the industry that I was going after. Those are lessons. And those are huge learning lessons that required me to pivot, to change things up. You know, first I changed the focus of the magazine in hope, in the hopes, cause it started out specifically for entrepreneurs. And then, and then I expanded it to women who just wanted to create a fabulous next chapter. Like that's super easy, right? Um, it still was not a, a super large, population of people. I changed the profit structure. I partnered with contributors. You know, I kept trying different ways, um, you know, pivoting, if you want to call it that, but different ways to make the magazine successful. Now, I also recognized that I needed to grow my Extraordinary Women followers. And we'll talk about that in just a minute. But what why I'm sharing this with you is that we don't want to necessarily get married to one particular idea and say to ourselves, if that idea doesn't work, I'm going to give it up because that just means I'm not supposed to have a business. Not true. Be comfortable with the fact from the very beginning that what you think you're going to create, what it's going to look like when you're envisioning it day one is probably not at all what it's going to look like, you know, by its um, third version or fourth version. But what's key here is not only do you have to be willing to pivot, but you also have to try. You have to do. In my journal... That magazine concept, as it initially began, was perfect. It it was just going to be a a great success. Couldn't imagine it wouldn't be a good success in the journal. It was only by the doing that I recognized and learned what I needed to change. So be comfortable with pivoting, be comfortable with failing, be comfortable with learning lessons, because it's all taking you one step closer to what the real business is all going to be about. You have to do to learn. Next, we all, and I alluded to this, we all need followers to successfully launch a business idea. I pushed back on this so much you cannot imagine. I did not like social media. I did not see the purpose of social media. I felt like it was, uh, you know, a photo album of somebody's perfect life, et cetera, et cetera. But let's talk about followers. Excuse me. What are followers? These are people who like what you're doing, like what you're selling, like what you're talking about. And you need these people. You, you must, must, must have a following, whether you have a service business like a coaching program or an online cooking class or a business where you're selling an actual product like a floral arrangements as an example, baby clothes, a skincare line. Think of it sort of, not sort of, think of it like a brick and mortar shop. You've got your shop, right? It's beautiful. You got a gorgeous signage out in the front. But if you're in the middle of nowhere, no one is going to find you. No one is going to be walking by your store. And then when you think of your store, let's say people are walking by it, 
but no one is interested in your window displays. Within a short period of time, you will actually be out of business. Makes perfect sense, right? Social media, and this was a switch for me, is like a window display into your business. Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn are all window displays that you provide to intrigue people enough to stop scrolling and to follow you. It's sort of like the brick and mortar shop. Somebody's walking by your shop and this happens to me all the time. I'll stop because something in the window of that particular shop intrigues me. Well, exactly the same in social media. You want people to say, oh, what's, what's that person doing? What is she creating? What a beautiful profile. And I have a sense of what her business is about. Now, I know it's difficult to figure out often if your followers are really quality followers, meaning, you know, really, truly interested in what you're selling versus the photos. To some extent, though, that doesn't matter. It really doesn't because the bottom line is that the number of followers you have is the only data point that some businesses will use to determine if they want to partner with you, invest in your business, collaborate with you. As an example, why would someone who has, you know, 250 million followers, I don't know if that's possible, but 250 million followers want to partner with me? There's no benefit for them. I'm, I'm small potatoes. I'm a tiny little group of people and the, the very large population of followers is not going to benefit a whole lot from me. I would benefit from collaborating with them, but not vice versa. So that number of followers, even if they're not all 100% quality followers matters. But how do you get followers when you're starting with zero? right? You've just created your Instagram page. You have zero followers. How do you start? Well, I'm going to use my daughter as an example. Now, she's not in midlife and she's got six little children. Um, but it's a, it, I think it's a very relevant example because Kelly is preparing as an example for a business that she probably will not launch until the, her babies are in um, kindergarten. So we're talking five years out. So if there are a few of you who are currently working in a corporate job and you're thinking about retirement, this is a perfect, perfect um, analogy, if you want to call it that. Kelly's a great banker. She baker. She mostly makes sweets and she wants a baking business, but she doesn't want a bakery. Now, as I mentioned, she has all these children, so it's going to be a while before she has time to actually launch her business. We had recently what I would call a coaching call. Actually, she loves our coaching calls to discuss what she could do now in order to prepare for the business. And it was a whole conversation about growing followers. I suggested first that Kelly perfect two really, really good cookie recipes. Make it simple and post her progress, post what she's doing on Instagram, as well as photos of her kiddos trying out her baking, you know, products, so to speak. You're starting to lay the groundwork for what it is, as an example, that she's doing. You want to do the same thing. Kelly then can introduce the actual cookies once she's got her recipes, 
and, you know, post photos that hopefully have some people stop scrolling, want to know more, want to know where can I get those cookies because they look delicious. And once she's got a couple of, say, these cookie recipes, two cookie recipes completed and ready to go, Kelly's going to make up boxes of the cookies to give to family and friends and to ask for feedback. Feedback is super important. Remember, I talked about how I didn't get the feedback I needed. Um, you want to know how other people feel about your product. But in her giveaways to her family and friends, she's also going to ask them to follow her on Instagram. Sometimes you have to tell people what it is you want them to do. And if you want them to, you know, you're bringing them free cookies or you're giving them free coaching sessions or you're providing a free style consultant, um, uh, whatever it might be, you have, you, there's nothing wrong with asking for something in return. And it's in Kelly's case, as well as yours, it's going to be feedback and follow me. So once her followers are growing, um, she's going to explore more ways to get her product out there. Now, for Kelly, it might be, you know, farmer's markets. Again, packaging her cookies in such a way so that, you know, making it affordable, number one, because she's at a farmer's market, but packaging so that it really, really encourages people to follow her on Instagram. She's She's building her following. She could go into, you know, corporate sales where she's, packaging her cookies for business events or, you know, holiday gatherings. She could offer, you know, a coupon for so much off if you join um, and follow me. So it's all about not profitability at that point. You always want to break even, but not profitability per se, but growing that followers list. Kelly's ultimate goal is really big. And it's to have a booth at the Minnesota State Fair, which would actually provide her enough income to live on for the entire year. But she has to grow her followers to ever make that a possibility. She, there has to be her followers, a whole bunch of people who know that what it is that she creates is fantastic. So when you think of this, you've got this really big extraordinary, incredible, amazing, fabulous goal. But you got to think about the steps to get there. And most often, the steps that get there are the followers, the followers that will help you to grow whatever it is that you're creating so that you can get to that amazing goal. Is it easy? Oh, good Lord. Heavens, no. <laughs> I I still think about ways of growing my followers now. But in the beginning, I didn't think about followers. I was so anti-social media. I was sure that if I just created the right product, that the followers were come versus the other way around. Paying attention to my followers, engaging with my followers, talking to competitors, people who are in the same space so that I had a better idea of those people. What's in their heads? What's in their hearts? What is it that they want? Do all of that. You know, I want you to think about your followers and to grow your followers before, and, and you can do this before you actually launch your product. As an example, I'm writing a book. I'm starting to create a buzz around the book. The book actually may not be 
in somebody's hands for nine months to a year. But it's really important that people know what it is that I'm working on and are excited to see what the product, the end result, the product is. And it's my job to grow that, to grow those followers, to grow that group of people who are interested in what it is that I'm creating. Now, as I said, you know, talk about your business, ask questions of other people who are in that space where you want to be. But most important, embrace social media. Social media, again, is the window that people are walking by and looking at to see what it is that you are offering. Lesson number three, and this was kind of embarrassing, I should say, shocking and embarrassing for me. And it's all about knowing your strengths and weaknesses. You know, I talked about how the magazine structure, you know, even for Oprah magazine or Vogue, and I know it's all about ads. Ads are what make magazines profitable. That's why they can offer a one-year magazine for, you know, 25 bucks as an example. So ads make the profitability of a magazine. But what I did not really think about is that I'm not a natural salesman. Cold calls for me are worse than like going to the doctor or the dentist. Both of those are preferable to making a cold call. This is embarrassing. The fact that I did not recognize my strengths and weaknesses because I'm a certified Gallup Clifton strengths coach. I know I've got wonderful strengths in strategic planning and creating visions seeing how opportunities can connect and grow. I'm an idea generator. Those traits all made me a great coach, but not a salesman. How could I have missed it, right? Yes, don't miss it. Don't do what I did. We all have strengths and weaknesses in different areas. One is not better than another. You don't need a certain strength in order to start a business or be an entrepreneur You just have to know what are your strengths and how can you use those strengths in order to create what it is that you're imagining. Now, you can go to Gallup, Clifton Strengths, and order your full 34. Um, There is a cost associated with it, but it it does have value because it really lists those top, all 34 strengths in order. And so you can see what's at the bottom of your list and what's at the top of your list. There's also a resource called high five, the number five test.com where you can get a rough view of your top five strengths. I don't know what the, um, what the, I'm trying to think kind of the analytics behind that test are, how accurate it is. I took it, um, just to compare it against the Gallup strengths test and it's kind of in the same area. You could also, if you don't want to go that route is just ask a few people that you know, really well and they know you and ask them what they think you're good at. It really can be quite interesting. Now a clue to your strengths is that strengths are usually the things that you do very easily. Things that, you know, you don't have to think about. It just comes naturally to you. And that's where we sometimes get tripped up on our strengths because we think what's easy to us is easy to everyone. And that is not the case. We focus more often on our weaknesses. And we often convince ourselves that if we just work on those weaknesses, they will become our strengths. But that's not the case. It really isn't. 
And I say that because our strengths are made up of two ingredients. Number one, an innate talent, an innate talent for something, something you were born to be able to do. And then it's that innate talent times the amount of time that you spend practicing that talent. So let's, I know that can be a little bit confusing. So let's talk about sports because sports is a very easy analogy to see how it works. Think of two mid-distance runners. One person is born with the innate talent to run certain distances very fast. The other doesn't have that. Okay. Maybe, you know, when you think of some of you are math people, think of one as somebody who's got very little talent in that and a 10 as someone who has a lot of talent at that. Then let's say they both put in a, the same amount of practice. It's a huge amount of practice. So let's say it's 10 again, means I've spent an incredible amount of time practicing. Let's look at the the one, the one with the innate talent and the practice time. That's 10 times 10, which is 100. That's a strength. You can't get any stronger than that, right? But if you look at the person who was not born with the innate talent, that's a one. One times 10 is just a 10. So you can see that if you look at it from a sports standpoint, the mid, the mid distance runner, one could potentially end up at the Olympics. The other is going to be a really good recreational runner. That absolute same for our own weaknesses. So when I talked about myself being a really not great salesperson, I could work on that, but it is never going to be my strengths. And that might mean that I have to hire, I have to outsource that particular task, if it's an important task to grow my business, number one. Number two, if that particular quality is something that is required, you know, is a significant component to my particular business. Let's say it's a design component or or product that, you know, it's going to determine whether or not I actually create a product. If I don't have that, then it's not the right business. Interior design, perfect example. I love interior design, but I don't have the degree and I don't have the experience. I've done my own homes. I've never done anyone else's homes. I don't have that. I don't have that very necessary skill set that to be a really great and have a successful interior design business. That would not be a business that I should start. So knowing our strengths and weaknesses really helps us to figure out what it is, what kind of business we want to have, number one. And number two, who do I need to loop in and and what do they need to be good at? Are you ready to design, create, and live your fabulous next chapter? Continue the conversation with your free subscription to Extraordinary Women magazine. Sign up now at www.extraordinarywomenmagazine.com. You get quarterly issues of our gorgeous, entertaining, and educational magazine with articles from women who are experts in travel, fashion, food, lifestyle, business, and more. You'll also have opportunities to gain community and share conversations, plus weekly blogs and bonus content sent straight to your inbox. 
live your fabulous next chapter. Subscribe for free at www.extraordinarywomenmagazine.com. Number four, and this is important, but also very, very hard to do, is to ask yourself why you want a business and who are your clients? Who are your target clients, your ideal client? Now, this matters because knowing why you want a business will help you to figure out what kind of business you should start. As an example, if you want a business that um, maybe you can do, you know, because you like to travel, you can be free to come and go. Um, you want to work, you know, three days a week, but not five days a week. Something that is a brick and mortar shop, as an example, is not the right business for you, right? So you have to know why you want a business um, in order to help you to determine what kind of a business you should start. It also helps you to figure out what you should focus on within the business. For example, if you need to make money right from the start, you can't create products that have a long funnel of building trust. You have to, if, if your focus is, I have to have money, I have to be making money right out of the gate, you have to have something that someone else, your target audience, your ideal client, wants to spend money on now, today. They don't necessarily care who you are and they don't necessarily have a relationship with you, they need the product. The relationship is between them and the product and it's almost immediately, immediate. Think of, you know, like the Instagram feeds. We often get product um, advertisements on Instagram. If it's a product and we see that, you know, it really fills a need that we have, we'll click on it, right? No relationship exists other than you with that particular product. So if you are focused in on really, I need to make X amount of money immediately, then you need to have a product that a lot of people really want. Now, if you're selling a service like coaching, you have an entirely different trust um, funnel, if we want to call it that. And you have to build trust over time which means that you won't be making money out, out right out of the gate. No one, absolutely no one signs up for a coaching package if they don't know and trust the coach. And knowing and trusting the coach takes time. So many new coaches that I talk to lose hope because they had no idea how long their relationship funnel to build the potential client trust would actually be. Most service businesses are like this, you know, they are all set up in such a way so that you need to build connections. You need to earn trust and credibility with a specific population of people, and that takes time. Testimonials are super important in the building of trust. Yes, they matter in products, but honestly, when you think of products, think of even shopping on Amazon, if you're looking for a specific thing, often, if you're like me, often I don't read the reviews. I look at a product, I look at what the product will do, does the product meet the needs that I have, and then I hit buy. Next, and a very important part of this is who is your ideal client? 
when you say you're the world is your ideal client, um, you know, it's, it's a great concept, but it's unrealistic. Research proves that the more you niche, the more successful you'll be, especially at the start. Think of brands that you love, and I'm going to use Tom's Shoes as an example. They started, Tom's Shoes started because they were making shoes that were modeled, I think, after Argentinian farmers. And Tom set it up so that each pair that was sold in America, they would donate a pair of shoes to a child in need. It was very simple. One type of shoe, one particular um, giveaway that was associated with that product that differentiated them from others, maybe similar shoe companies. Tom's built up that brand with a very narrow, very small niche and then expanded. Now they sell all kinds of shoes. I think they still give away. That is still a part of their corporate mission. But what it proves is that you have to niche, especially at the beginning, in order to grow your business. Therefore, knowing your why, why do I want a business, and knowing who you're going to sell your product to helps you to really have a sense of what kind of a business can I create? What kind of profits am I going to expect with a realistic timeline of both? I had no idea truly how long my own profitability timeline was going to be. I had been a coach, as I said, in the corporate world. I had been a coach with within three major universities here in the Boston area. Those institutions and corporations gave me credibility. Everyone inside those organizations, which are the only people I worked with during those years, knew me because of the organization. When I put out my shingle initially, and this was quite a while ago, Sherry Harmel coach, no one saw me as a part of anything. And therefore, it took a long time for people to know me and trust me and build the kinds of collaborative relationships where that would happen. So knowing who my targeted clients are today and focusing only on their preferred social media platforms, I can't be everywhere. You know, I can't be thinking about TikTok. I can't be thinking about, you know, do I invest in, in Pinterest? I ha if I don't really, really focus in on who is my ideal client and where are they? So know your why. Why do you want to start a business and know your who? Who are your ideal clients and where are they? What are their social, preferred social media platforms? Because that's how you will begin to grow your following. Last, you can't work all the time. You have to schedule in fun. Starting a business can be intense. And if you don't schedule in fun, I'm telling you, you will burn out your creativity muscle. Spend time doing whatever it is that you love besides your business. Schedule in time with your knitting group if that's your jam. Make time to travel. Join a book club. Take a dance class. Nurture that whole of you. Don't let yourself say, when I get my business to X level, then I'll have time to have some crazy fun. You've got to schedule it in today. 
And why? I'm, I'm going to give you a little example. I'm in a coaching program that isn't cheap. It's, it's, it's kind of a goofy coaching program because it's all about, for me, it's goofy. It's all about style and self-image. These ladies spend more time talking about makeup and purses and clothes than I ever even think about. But it's so totally different from all my next chapter business that it's actually sort of fun. Well, I committed to stopping some of my auto renews this year. I was going to be even more fiscally, you know, focused. And um, so I wrote to them and said that I didn't want to renew. It all felt so frivolous, right? Just today, I was sitting there and I had like zero ideas for a future YouTube show. So I listened. I thought, oh, what the heck? I'll go listen to a couple of their calls. Truly, it was a release for me. I heard those women talk about style and makeup, and it totally got me out of my head. Suddenly, I had more ideas than I could write down. Fun, believe it or not, feeds our creativity. So my last bit of advice is to welcome in fun every single day. Nothing about fun is frivolous. All for now. Aviento.